welcome to So Much More. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Mary DeMuth with me as we have a conversation around Genesis 39 and what the Lord led her to in this passage. Mary wears a lot of different hats. She is a literary agent. She is an author of over 40 books. She's a teacher. She's a great artist, and she's also a podcast host of Pray Every Day, where she reads scripture and prays for you every single day. So welcome, Mary. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, uh, I've just read a whole list of things about you, but why don't you start by telling us a little about who you are? Sure. So um, I'm primarily an author and a speaker, um, and I am the mom of three adult kids in their 20s now. My son just got married, which is cool. I've been married almost 31 years, and I am passionate about the Word of God, passionate about discipleship, passionate about communicating with people who have been broken by trauma to find healing from the past. And so I guess if I could say the thing that really drives me the most is that last thing of helping people uh, mine their past, but to see God in the midst of it and to find healing from it. Yeah. And I've had the privilege of not only hearing you speak around that topic and sharing your own story, but just walking alongside you, even in some hard things that have happened in my own life. And you've just been such a sweet companion to point me to Jesus. And so I'm really excited just to share you with my friends and the listeners here. And hopefully they will also dive into a little bit more about who you are because you have so much to offer the world and the kingdom. So, well, thank you. (laughs) Well, before we dive into the conversation, I do want to remind everyone of the passage that we read And it's some selected verses from Genesis 39. You can see exactly which verses I'm reading in the show notes, but let me go ahead and read that passage for us one more time. And then we'll talk about your experience walking with the Lord through that. So this is a reading of selected verses from, uh, from Genesis 39. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. One day, Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. Potiphar's wife caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, 
He left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Okay, there are a ton of details in that passage. It's a big story. Um, And we did this as an imaginative prayer experience where we were invited to just kind of use our our mind, but also our heart and our imagination to enter in uh, to this story. So Mary, as you did that, what are some of the things that um, kind of painted in your imagination as you entered into this scene? Well, I kept, I, I always read with my pen in hand. And so I was marking all the parallels of the two stories and seeing that there was a lot of um, the same things going on. There was betrayal in both uh, instances. Um, there was a lot of uh, oppression going on, and yet God was there in the midst of the story. Um, and then I looked at, so basically, um, and we can get into this in a little bit, but I looked at action. So I looked at what, ha- what other people did to Joseph, what God's actions were, what Joseph's actions were, and what were the results of him in those positions. So, um, but the main thing in the first reading that I came away with was that um, we need to be faithful without seeing outcomes and that betrayal is a very difficult prison. Ooh, that's really good. Yeah. I, it, it, it's interesting as you, you've already highlighted this, the actions that God does are totally independent of the actions that the people do to Joseph. He is mistreated. He is wrongly accused. And yet God is faithful and steady through the whole thing. So I love that you pulled that out. Did you, did it like look or feel a certain way to you? Um, Were there any kind of characteristics that it took on as you were seeing it? I guess I, I saw, I, I view uh, my memories and my view of life comes through place, not through people necessarily. So I can remember nearly every house that I've ever walked through when I have like gone on a real estate thing. <laughs> so yeah. uh, every open house, I think of houses. And so when I looked at this in my mind, I saw Joseph in the house Mm. and then I saw him in the prison and the prison was very dark. Um, the house was kind of medium, but when she, uh, grabbed the cloak or when he left the cloak and she, uh, um, was chasing him or (laughs) vice versa, like during the middle of that very awful scene, I could see kind of the darkness coming down upon Mm. him in that moment. Yeah, that's good. Well, so we read it a second time. Uh, well, actually the third time, I suppose really is when you kind of entered in to the story and I invited you to either be Joseph, if, if the kind of the Lord led you there or, but sometimes people like to just kind of be an observer up close and personal and still feel some of the things that are happening. So 
tell me about that experience and kind of where the Lord led you in that. Sure. So in that position, I did take the nearness instead of being within his body. (laughs) So I was just outside watching, uh, but closely. And uh, the idea of injustice came up again, where um, I I kind of wished I could have rescued him from the situation, Mm -hmm. because I saw it so clearly. Um, But then I remembered the fact that God was with him the word with is four times in this passage and he was with him through all of those. And so that that's a very powerful word. And the outcome was positive in both, uh, in both situations. And we know from his story in the later situation as well. Um, even though it didn't start off positively at all, um, I can see him being sold. Uh, first he was taken and then he was sold or he was sold and, and taken, then sold, then bought, and then taken again. Um, just those words are really show me that he didn't have a lot of volition that he was being, he was a victim of circumstance, but really victim of predation. Mm. Um, these were people not even taking to, into account his humanity. And, uh, they were the, the words used here were merchandising words. So mm. to buy, to sell, um, to take, uh, those are economic words and that dehumanizes him even further. Mm, Yeah. He has been turned into a commodity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you either listen to the previous practice that we did, which is the very, very first part of his story, or, um, I even gave a recap before we did the actual practice part of this podcast, So you do know that Joseph was sold as a 17 year old, his brothers hated him. They threw him in the arms of the Ishmaelites who carried him down to Egypt. And so he's been, like you said, just everything's been ripped away from him and all of his decision, his ability to make decisions for himself has been taken. Um, and yet, like what you said, there's this, this incredible witness of God with Joseph and I, I just imagine, and I, I wonder, but I just imagine that Joseph kind of just keeps picking himself back up and he keeps doing the next thing in spite of all the wrong that has been done to him because Potiphar notices and puts him in charge. The prison warden notices and puts him in charge. So he keeps being given all of this responsibility. Um, and I even wonder if, if Potiphar was really upset, not because of what happened, but because he was losing Joseph. Um, but I, you know, we don't, we don't get privy to that detail, but, um, yeah. So you, you're feeling the injustice of it at that point. Um, and then you had some space to really just talk to the Lord about kind of what was stirred, what you were feeling and thinking. So tell us about that conversation. Yeah. As I was, again, I, I communicate with words and I write things down. Um, and so one of the things that I saw in that exchange was just Joseph's actions, as you have just described, he was in charge. He was responsible. He ran away from temptation. He cared for those who are in his care and he took care of details regardless of where he was positioned. 
And I kind of got the feeling that it doesn't matter where you are in life, whether you're being oppressed or in a political situation where you, you don't have freedom, um, your job is still to be faithful to the Lord. Your job is still to, to do the things that God calls you to do. Um, thinking about a particular situation with, uh, with, a, with friends who are dealing with a difficult situation. And what I'm finding in those situations is that it's easier to change your theology and not be faithful to what God has called you to than it is to stay within the biblical narrative. And so um, for me, uh, as I go throughout my day and as I'm writing books and whatever, I, whether I feel oppressed or not, which typically I don't, I live in America, but I'm st- I still have the same mandate as Joseph has to be faithful to God, to believe his hesed for us to be in charge or be a good steward, which Jesus talks about all the time in the new Testament of what he's given me and what's in front of me and to leave the results in the hands of God. Mm, I love that. And you know, one of the things that we didn't actually get, because I, I was trying to compress this passage a little bit so that it didn't get too long, but there's a bit of back and forth between Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And one of the things that Joseph says, um, is he, when he's confronting her the first time that she's trying to chase after him, he says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So he Mm -hmm. knew the whole time, like you were just saying his, all these things were happening to, he was to him, but he was still responsible for his actions. And, and he answered to God for all of those things. Um, exactly, exactly. And he, um, he, it would have been easy for him to change his theology, so to speak. Mm. It would have been easier for him to acquiesce because if he did, things would go smoothly in that house. He'd already gotten a bunch of, you know, power in that house and he had an easy life, so to speak. And if he had capitulated, it would have gone easier for him, Uh, probably not in the long run, but in the short term, (laughs) it would have been easier just to acquiesce. But he, uh, he loved God more than he loved his ease. And I think that's what we have to take away from the passage. Yeah. His ease and his pleasure. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such, you know, you said you're not oppressed because you live in America, which is true. And yet we all know what it feels like to be wronged and to be taken advantage of, to have people do things to us, um, that feel so, um, just terrible. And we get to choose how we respond. Are we going to do the same things back to them? Are we going to choose to respond like Joseph did? How can I do such a thing and sin against God? Because it's actually not against you anymore. It's against my Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else that you talk to the Lord about with that? Yeah, I wrote down a couple of things. Um, one was just looking at this cycle. It almost felt like the cycle of judges, except not with sin <laughs> cycle of judges is with sin, but he, you know, there's this enslavedness, then emancipation, and then it cycles back into being enslaved again, and then emancipation and faithfulness. And it's this cycle that keeps going on, which I think a lot of our lives, we can relate to that. Um, I wrote down, no prison can prevent us from obedience So no matter what oppressive state you're in, it does not have the power to prevent you from obeying God. Um, Also, God sees us when we're wrongly accused 
and characters matter more than our circumstances. And the last one was God permeates our stories, even when he seems absent. Oh, that's so good. And such a good and hard reminder. Like we have to tell ourselves that we have to remind ourselves of the truth, which is, I think one of the things scripture says over and over, I mean, the Psalms are all about remembering what is true of God and, and retelling that story to ourselves. Because if we are in a situation like Joseph, we can believe that we've been abandoned. Um, and that's absolutely false. And so we have to just kind of keep resetting our eyes on the Lord. Yeah. Those are all really good things, Mary. Um, well, anything else about the passage before we move on? Another thing I saw was that he was faithful without seeing outcomes. Oh yeah. Um, he just did it. He didn't care. And he didn't know he was going to be written about in the old Testament. <laughs> like he, he didn't have like this court reporter following That's him right. around, seeing if he was going to be faithful. He just did it in the quiet and had no idea, especially when he said, uh, far be it for me to sin against God. When he's talking to Potiphar's wife, um, he has a fear of God that is greater than his fear for his reputation, his fear for any other thing. He fears the Lord. Um, so much. And some of those words that I talked about before of what other people did to Joseph, I think we can relate to them as well, to be taken away, to be bought, to be caught, to be lied about in particular. That's one that's really hard um, to be uh, put in prison against our will and to be confined and not to be allowed, you know, like the wide open spaces that, that we all long for. Um, that just kind of struck me as well. Mm -hmm. Mary, what, what are some things that you have done in your own personal journey that help you remember when you find yourself in a situation, if someone's lied about you or mistreated you in some way to turn yourself back to the Lord and, and remember all the truths about him. Are there things that you've found helpful for you? Yes, um, of course. I first usually write it down in my journal or I talk to my husband about what I'm going through just to kind of first get it out and then with him to kind of discover if I'm being dramatic or not. <laughs> and then I go to like two or three very trusted friends who I who are like a vault and I can sift through what I'm walking through. And sometimes they'll say, yeah, that's not that big of a deal. Let it go. And sometimes they'll say that's a huge deal and you're not overreacting. And that really helps me because sometimes I think we live in our heads and we can be easily offended. So it's helpful to have the body of Christ around you to help you to see when you are and, and when you aren't I'm going through a situation right now where I have a small group of people who know something that's going on and it, they agreed that I was, I was being bullied. And so that was very helpful for me now to get out from underneath. It has not been easy and I have a stomach ache about it, but, um, but I needed those other perspectives in order to, to move forward. Oh, so good. I, those friends are gold and mm -hmm. work hard to find them and figure out <laughs> who they are because the, and, and I mean, you get maybe one, two of those friends in a lifetime, I think. Um, yeah. And you know, the people that just will sit with you and pray with you. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it's not just, they're going to sit there and listen and fan the flames of your 
you know, like you said, oh, you're overreacting. Like the real friends are going to say, Hey, can I ask you a couple questions about that? And just help you, like you said, sift through it. Um, and, and then support you when you do have the stomach ache and you have to do something really hard and figure out a different mm-hmm. way to live, um, a different way to move forward. And, um, I think it's also really important that, you know, I think we get confused sometimes about being long suffering and about, um, putting up with poor behavior of other people out of this, like Christian quote unquote guise of being this loving person. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think this story also shows us that that's not, that's also not true. Um, you know, he didn't put up with a bad behavior. He didn't have any Mm -hmm. right to actually confront the bad behavior, unfortunately, because of where his social position and being enslaved and being owned by another person, which, uh, we can't even put ourselves in that place, but, um, but he didn't, he didn't just go along with it and put up with it. He stood up for himself and, um, in the way that he could, which was running away. And so, yeah. Well, and later we see when he interprets the dreams that he is proactive there too, and says, Hey, tell, tell Pharaoh That's right. about this, please remember me. So he wasn't just lackadaisically hanging out like, Oh, this is my lot in life. Yeah. He always was kind of moving forward. And I think probably in his mind, and maybe this is true or not true. I'll ask him on the other side, but, uh, maybe he was thinking, um, all I can do is be faithful in this situation and God will see me through. Um, and that, that his daily activity of doing the right thing was part of that deliverance as well. Oh, that's really, it's not passive. Yeah, no, I agree. And we'll explore that passage that you're talking about Mm -hmm. next in the next podcast. So I'm glad you brought that up because he doesn't stay in prison forever, but he stays there for a while. Uh, and it just is this long season, but I also, like you said, he's obedient without knowing the outcome and that's really hard. And and like you said, that there was probably this daily deliverance. His hope was at some point in the future, just like we, we can cling to that. Um, that's, that's, that can be really difficult, especially when it's really painful right now. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing all of that with us, Mary. That was really insightful. I love the way the Lord led you. I love what he drew your attention to. Um, and so I really appreciate what you had to share. Thank you for that. Sure. My pleasure. Well, I, um, I do want to ask you because you have, uh, your podcast pray every day, and there's some similar themes because you're reading scripture and you're praying over people. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, that podcast, where it came from, what was the idea that, that led you into that part of your journey? I wrote a devotional called Jesus Every Day. It's a 365-day devotional, and it's kind of the opposite of Jesus Calling. So in Jesus Calling, Jesus says stuff to you. In Jesus Every Day, you say things to Jesus. In other words, you pray based on the scripture of that day, and it goes through the whole council of scripture from Genesis to Revelation in little bits. And I was at a mastermind retreat and I was asking my friends, well, how can I promote this book? Will be a creative way. And they came up with actually, you should do a podcast where you pray every day for people and you read scripture. And I said, no, (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of work. Why? (laughs) Yeah. Every single day is a major commitment as a podcaster. And so I initially just thought that seems crazy. And then I prayed about it and I felt like this is what the Lord 
wanted me to do, interestingly enough, some of the most severe spiritual warfare I ever had as an author, as a speaker, um, came on the, the genesis of that podcast mm. in 2018, in February, 2018. Um, so it was not easy and, uh, there continues to swirl around. You can imagine the spiritual warfare when you're reading scripture and praying, it's a very simple podcast. I, I read scripture and I usually go through like a whole book at a time, but, um, every day is just a snippet. So maybe 10, 15 verses, and then um, I pray according to those 10 and 15 verses uh, for my audience. And that's it. I mean, it's pretty simple, five to seven minutes at the most. And um, I'm, I think I'm on episode like 1341 now. <laughs> so wow, I've been doing it a long time. Well, what a, I mean, congratulations on your faithfulness. That is a lot of work. Uh, and I, I want to encourage you guys who are listening to this to check it out because every time Mary prays for me, which is, she's not really just praying for me, but the spirit intercedes and the words are for me. And I Mm -hmm. have always been, it's always just been so meaningful to me. It's like the spirit Mm -hmm. just knows. And that's one of the things that I love, even about the experience we just did is the spirit brings the word to life. Um, because it's a living and active word because we're living and active people. When those two things coincide, coincide or collide, um, in the most positive way, it brings something new. And I feel like that's the same thing when you're praying over me and people is that the spirit is your spirit is resonating with my, or the words, the spirit's giving you are resonating with, um, the spirit and what he's doing in my life. So I'm grateful for your faithfulness in doing that. Thank you. It is really fun to get stories from people about that. Like there, there was a time where God prompted me to pray about horses. <laughs> what the <laughs> heck is that? Why would I be praying about horses? And um, someone emailed me and was like, that was for me. I, and they told me a story about horses. Wow. Like, okay. All right. Holy spirit. Yep. You know, exactly what every single person who hears this podcast, we just had 2 million downloads. So there's a lot that are yes. listening. And you know, all of the different needs of different people on different days. And I'm just praying. Yeah. So it's, and, it's really cool. And what a testimony to listen to the nudge, right? Cause like a lot of mm-hmm. times we could be just like, okay, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to pray about horses on this mm-hmm. or, and yet there's just something there. So you kind of, you ran with it. I guess that's not a pun that was intended, but <laughs> I galloped with you it. galloped away <laughs> with that. So, yes, all right. Horse <laughs> well, um, I have a little bit of just a few quick lightning round questions to close us off. So just kind of whatever comes to mind so we can get to know a little bit more about you. Um, so I feel closest to Jesus when I'm singing. Oh, I love that. Uh, what's a book that everyone needs to read besides the Bible? I would say, uh, the rest of God by Mark Buchanan. It's a book about Sabbath and it's beautifully written and I need to read it every year. Um, and then a very obscure book. I'm going to add another one, the Calvary road by Roy Hessian is about the East. Um, I almost said East Texas revival, (laughs) no, the East African revival. Uh, it's just one of those like lay down surrender kind of books. I I just wrote that one down. I've read the Buchanan book. I read, and I, I was like, oh yeah, I need to read that again. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. Um, okay. So you've written over 40 books. What's the count now? Do you know? I think I need to recount. Um, It's either 44 or 45. All right. If you had to choose right now, which one is your favorite? (laughs) 
Uh, I would say probably my memoir because it's so much of me is on the page and it was a, it was a very difficult sacrifice to put it there. Yeah. What's the name of it? It's called thin places, a memoir. Yeah. All right. Thank you. It's kind of like making you choose between your children. I think. Yes. There's a (laughs) lot of children out there, but uh, apparently. (laughs) Um, Okay. What's one thing that you've learned uh, because of COVID? Okay. Um, There's like 58 things I've learned. (laughs) I, you know, this is not a positive thing. The, The thing I learned was that people can be entrenched or manipulated by media and not necessarily, and, and give in to things that is not necessarily what the Lord would have for them. Mm. It's a cautionary tale <laughs> for us all. We can, yes, we could unpack that for about two hours. <laughs> Please don't nope, because nope, it'll get controversial. Nope. Let's not. <laughs> On both sides. I, exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, okay. Last, last question. What is your favorite verse or at least your favorite verse right now? Um, it's, it's usually second Corinthians 12, nine and 10 about his grace being sufficient for us. Mm. Um, his power is made perfect in our weakness. And then Paul goes on to say, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And then he says things like I'm well content, or I'm glad with insults, weaknesses, persecutions, all these like terrible things for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I don't know how he writes that or says that or believes it or does it because I am not often well content with insults and persecutions and all those kinds of things. So, um, that one is a good reminder for me. Mm -hmm. It is. Well, that's something we'll need to unpack. Uh, (laughs) all right. Well, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you, Mary? They can find me at marydemuth.com, uh, prayeveryday.show if they want to look at the show. And then I've got a site for sexual abuse survivors called we2.org. Well, thank you. This has truly been a delight. I just love the way the Lord led you into this passage and all the insights you had for us. So thank you so much. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. Well, thanks for joining Mary and I on So Much More, where Jesus has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air, they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.